Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the ordinary. One thing that we endeavor to do is to have our conversation be less than fascinating so that you can just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. Please feel free to rate us on iTunes. I have a special guest on this episode, my dear friend, Daryl Gamoten. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. It's nice to be here. Now, Daryl is a fellow actor, um, and we work together. And Daryl, I wanted to ask you about memorizing scripts. Does that come easy to you? Because it's something that I struggle with. It's definitely something that I struggle with. I I think for me it's easier to memorize them if there's staging involved. So I know it's it's that old adage that putting it into your body kind of thing. I really appreciate that and it's easier for me to memorize something when it's in my body. So I when you say staging, say. that's like you've you've got the script in your hand and the director has sort of positioned where he or she wants you to be at a certain point. Exactly. And yeah. so so when you have that as a tool, how do you memorize? Do you walk around in the house or what's your process in other words? I guess uh, when I understand what the words mean mm-hmm. fully, that's when uh, the script just uh, comes to me. But when I do it just sitting down versus walking around in my mm-hmm. house or wherever the rehearsal place is, it's more of uh, I start to replace words for words that don't actually exist. Oh, I see. Kind of thing. So I, I can't do it verbatim, and then I start making things up if I just know what my general motivation is. Okay, so you sit down and you sort of dissect the script and figure out what lines mean what to your character. Exactly. Before you memorize. I try to. Oh, that's cool. I feel like it's easier for me to understand where I'm going next with what I'm going to say Mm -hmm. versus just trying to learn it word for word without any meaning. Is your process different for film and TV scripts versus theatrical scripts? I, I would say it's easier for a theatrical script. Okay. Um, so I guess the process is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So film and TV, as far as my experience goes, um, it's harder to, at least for the parts that I get, it's harder to memorize, I think, because I, I don't know what my purpose is okay. necessarily for that part a lot. Or I just don't have enough practice in film sure. and TV. Okay, fair. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who she had to do a whole bunch of dialogue for film 
that was all about, she was a sub, submarine officer. So mm. she was talking about the Straits of Magellan. It was in a film class. So mm. she had memorized this whole long diatribe about, you know, telling her superior officer where the sub was at a certain point and why there was difficulties in this part of the world. Mm. So she does it and it looks great on camera. It's like she just looks like she knows what she's doing. And afterwards, the, the students in the class start asking her and they say, Katerina, like, like, how did you know all that? She goes, I have no idea what I was saying. Exactly. She's like, I just memorized it word for word, but just made it sound efficient and mm -hmm. the way you would respond respond to a senior officer. Exactly. And she goes, I have no idea even on the map where where we were in this sub, but yeah. it looked so fantastic, right? Yeah. See, I wish I had that skill because mm -hmm. there, I know a lot of people who can just do that and then state it or say it in a way that it makes sense. And I can't do that without actually going the other way and making sense first and then actually stating I, I always find um, learning learning um, lines very difficult because my background is improv. So I can mm -hmm. improvise my way through any sort of scene. And what's great about that is, and it's happened a couple of times where I've been on stage with people and they've frozen. Yeah. Or they've messed up a line. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I would be there. I remember one time I was playing a judge, mm -hmm. and we were doing this part where I was the judge of a reenactment. So it was an actual court case that took place in the 1900s, where the last hanging of someone occurred in this. Okay. So we were doing it. We were doing sort of reenactment. So we were using the transcripts, and so I'm the judge. So I'm sitting up there, and we did it in the actual courtroom where it took place. Wow. So yeah, it was pretty pretty incredible. And I'm sitting sitting there on the stand. Or in the on the judge's bench, desk, or yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm just sitting there watching, and I see that the crown attorney is asking questions to my to my friend who was playing the medical officer. That seemed wrong to me, and I was like, "This seems really wrong." Like I don't know why we had done it, but I had sort of tuned out, which mm -hmm. is an awesome thing to say as an actor, yeah, right? Absolutely. But like during because it was like long back and forths, and every yeah. once in a while I'd speak up, or they'd ask me something and I, I would respond but mm -hmm. so I would kind of tune out and then I noticed that he was asking and I could see my friend Trevor I could see he was like looking at me like something was up and he's a fellow improviser and I've worked with him on stage so I could tell something was up right and he just looks at me and he throws a line that instigates my line but really early into their little ah. talk and I realized at that point something was up so I just kind of responded in a really angry manner hit the gavel, made them sit down so that the other actor could could gather his thoughts and realize mm. what he had done. And uh, boom. It, it, and it, it, it self-corrected itself. Yeah. Or one yeah. time someone's cell phone was ringing and it was a period piece where people wouldn't have cell phones. Oh, no. So I just grabbed the gavel and I started banging it on the desk and I was like, get that music box out of my courtroom and blah, blah, blah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty... Was pretty just, so I was able to lean on my improv... Uh, in cases like that, but I find it very difficult to memorize. Uh, yeah. So that's my big. I think we have similar backgrounds as far as the the improv. Mm -hmm. There's there's kind of a nice. It's it's weird because it's improv is something that you do without a safety net. Right. But in cases like these, it almost becomes a safety net and uh, helps out. And I I find myself in those positions a lot. Tell me about a time on stage where something's gone a little bit haywire. 
I think there's only been a couple of cases, and I it's usually it's it's usually been my fault, okay. and it's like <laughs> either being um, it's it's probably only twice that I can absolutely remember and then it looked like the other actor's fault wow which is that's great acting on your great acting on my part (laughs) absolutely but um it was one of them was i was um in twelfth night oh yeah um in mississauga somewhere uh i was sebastian and it was the point in the play where they're introducing me um and who i really was and i didn't show up so the actor that was introducing me had to go and find me quote unquote and then uh but like actually find me um and i was in the back uh, listening to the one of the the kings who was telling a joke oh i see and he was just telling this joke and i missed my cue right and um it's one of those things that i've i've really missed out as far as the messing up on stage oh, that's kind great. of thing but um haywire i think it only happens in an actual improv set and okay. um and usually it's fun yeah everything like, goes yeah in improv is pretty much great yeah you invite it yeah how is it learning shakespearean uh dialogue it was actually uh, that's actually probably what has instructed my process later on as far as stage goes because right. You don't know what he's talking about, right. so you got to find out and then find out how to say it or what you're going to say essentially, and um, and then that's when things start to make sense. I've really appreciated it. Sure, you know it. It is. It does kind of have this timeless sort of thing where everything he does talk about is relevant, and it's almost like one of those Disney fairy tales where right. you can tell it over and over again until you hit it over the head but um i've really enjoyed it is it easier or harder to memorize shakespearean dialogue it's almost easier in a way because okay. it's a different language so you're right kind of learning what the language is word for word um instead of taking the words for granted like you can't make up shakespeare so right, you have course. to um kind of just approach it like it's a different language or else you know I mean, I guess you could kind of make it up if if you really. If, I mean, if you're if you're skilled if you're, with the you know the thy hath thou yeah. and those kind of uh, old English. I yeah. once had to learn um, Shakespearean text in Italian. Wow! And it was so hard because oh, I had goodness. to learn it in English first because I was like, I don't know what I'm saying in Italian. What? I mean, I speak Italian, but I was speaking Shakespearean Italian. Yeah. And it was in a in a sort of poetic speak that didn't didn't immediately makes sense to me and so i had to learn the i learned the english translation of the shakespearean text then i i learned the english text and then i learned the italian so it would make me make it easier so i kind oh of learned goodness. it in three different three different forms and do i you, and i did not get the part oh it was it was horrific but do you remember any of it at all no okay. it was king lear it was i wasn't yeah. it wasn't for king lear i can't even remember the part but it was a meaty part and it was for film ah. so they were going to film uh, all the actors speaking different languages. So interesting. Yeah, it, it sounded fascinating. It's one of those things that could go either really well or terribly wrong. I imagine it might be. The I, I'm going to say because I wasn't ways. in it. I don't know. It's yeah. going to be terribly wrong. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to talk to you about basketball because you were in a show that I saw right. where I thought you were brilliant. Thank you. Uh, and it was called The Basketball 
Diaries. No, it was not. <laughs> it was called Me and My Basketball. It was no, called it was Monday Nights. Monday Nights. Monday yep. Nights. And I saw you in a show that I thought was terrible, but you were great Thank in it. Thank you. We won't mention that show. But so great. let's talk about Monday Nights because this stems from you actually playing basketball with actors. Right. On uh, Saturday? Um, on Mondays, I believe. On Mondays. Okay, yeah. sorry. Oh, I so, see. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about A... Tell, tell me about this particular show, if you don't mind talking sure. about it. No, absolutely. Uh, it, it started because in theater, um, or for a lot of our friends, the dark night is Monday. Right. That's, that's and the night that everyone has free. In other words, for listeners who aren't aware, oftentimes if you go see shows, they don't play on Mondays. Even on Broadway, there's only like exactly. one or two Broadway show that play, shows that will play on Monday because it's the night that the actors sort of rest. Exactly. And it's the night that... Tickets, the box office wouldn't sell as many tickets because, generally speaking, the public doesn't go to see shows on a Monday night. Precisely. Anyways, yes. sorry, please continue. So we started probably about five years ago in um, on Queen's Key and Bathurst where we would play basketball. It's the only place that had the lights on for that long until about 12 o'clock at night. Okay. Uh, so we would all... we It started as a casual... Uh, thing and then um, a lot of us became very committed to being there on Monday nights. It was, it was respite from a lot of different things. It was just a nice break to have. It was a way to get physical. It was, it was a lot of things for a lot of people. And have you always liked basketball? I have. I have. I think. I think it was. It's just the way I'm. I'm built too. Okay. It's easier to pick up. Um, and uh, I grew up. In the states where there were a lot of, uh, in uh, particularly in an area which had a lot of basketball, where um, courts, it was in Jersey. Oh, so you're from you're originally from Jersey. Originally from so Jersey. So shout out to all our Jersey listeners. Shout out to our Jersey listeners, and uh, the basketball courts over there. How are um, they? As far as basketball goes, yeah. Um, I learned uh, an aggressive form of basketball oh, from cool. the start. I think I remember the first time. Uh, I played with um, um, uh, another girl. Okay. Uh, it was probably in fourth grade. Um, she uh, checked me against the fence. And oh, awesome. I was like, this is how we play basketball, is what I learned early on. So did you take this American style of basketball and bring it to Canada with you? I, I, I think it kind of tempered once I got into Canada. Okay. Um, and also, once you learn more about basketball, it's easier to not be so aggressive if you're not... I mean, the the way the game is played, it's very similar to soccer. If you understand different patterns, um, where you should be, it's it becomes less aggressive. So are you a good soccer player, too? I, I did play a bit of soccer. Oh, look at you. I did, yeah. Tell me your earliest sports memory. My earliest sports memory, um, well, the earliest... I, I learned how to ride a bike when I was four. I remember okay. that. Um, and essentially, we were in a gated compound and this was in the Philippines and um, they took off my training wheels and they said go okay. um, so I fell a lot but I remember just doing it in a day like figuring it oh, out okay. by myself in a day um, and then after that it, my uncle built a tiny little basketball rim and that's probably the earliest memory oh I wow have. yeah and was that in the Philippines or it was in the Philippines okay so you started really early yeah, I that's think awesome. just to keep me busy, and they 
they knew that I had all this energy, I guess, and I didn't like to talk much as a kid, mm-hmm. um, so they just threw me out there. What's your favorite basketball moment? Favorite basketball moment? Yeah. Um, I think it involves my family, probably, um, watching uh, Hakeem Olajuwon win his second title. Um, my parents, my mom grew up in Nigeria, and uh, so automatically we had this kind of kinship with Hakeem Olajuwon, who is from Nigeria, right. and immigrants, and we were living in the States, and it was the first time that Michael, it was the first couple of years that Michael Jordan wasn't playing basketball. I see. Um, so this other team had an opportunity to take the title and uh, to see Hakeem Olajuwon do it um, with his kind of quiet demeanor was very enjoyable. So we got to send a shout out to Nigeria and our listeners there, Absolutely. as well as the Philippines. Yes. Shout out to Nigeria. So let's circle back to this show and how we bridge basketball with theater. Absolutely. Um, I think what it was, was the, what we were interested in is the, the fascination and the commitment that some people have to sport. Right. Um, also, what's the way your, this, your style of play, whether it is indicative of you as a person. Oh. So these are all kind of theories that we had going around. We're always fascinated as actors as to why we do things, the motivations of, of people. Um, so that was the question that we started with. Why do we play basketball? What is it that brings us every week on a Monday night to play this game that in a way is a little bit silly, um, but is something that we connected to. Um, I think for starters, we it, it was nice to be on the same playing ground. Um, so that was a nice starting point. And then once different people started playing with us, our like to see who gets aggressive or to see how someone reacts to a foul was very interesting for us and like what does it relate to in our life that makes us feel that way to different plays to certain certain actions that we choose sounds like you were just dissecting aspects of the sport that were indicative of a person's personality or what brings them to reactions to in things many like ways. Oh, yeah. wow. In many ways, How do yes. you react to a foul? I, I am very, I, uh, I think it's me as a Scorpio, perhaps. Um, it's also me as um, slightly vindictive. Um, but I, I revert um, into a quiet state, and then I try and work really hard to make the other person look bad. Oh, in the in my next possession of the ball, kind of like what you did in Twelfth Night, too, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're a Scorpio. Do you find that your personality traits ref- are um, akin to what they say about Scorpios? I do, but I don't know. Uh, it was something that was introduced to me very early on, so I don't know whether or not. Um, knowing what a Scorpio is fed into my personality or was if that was my personality to begin with. What is the thing that clo- that you share the closest kinship with a Scorpio? Um, or would, with your astrological sign? I think something about being passionate. Um, okay. Well, it's also nice to be called that, I think, as well. So um, there's that. There's the, there's the quiet of the the Scorpio that is familiar to a lot of people um, 
but um, there's that vindictive aspect that I talked about as well. Sure. Yeah. I get along with Scorpios. My astrological sign gets along with Scorpios. What is your sign? I'm Sagittarius. Ah. And so much of what what they say is much of what um, can upset a Scorpio and have them sort of um, staying in that Mm. sort of upset mode mm-hmm. a Sagittarius doesn't even realize so they pay no attention to it so after a while the Scorpio's like okay I guess he doesn't just, he or she doesn't get it so let's just move past them. it yeah, yeah it tempers them in a weird sort of way yeah my wife is a Sagittarius oh okay yeah. so you should you should you yeah. should be uh, compatible then yes yeah to you and my wife yeah, yeah. fair, fair enough fair enough let's talk about basketball shoes mm-hmm. now I've never really played basketball mm-hmm. how important are the shoes that you wear when you play basketball I think now it's almost, uh, it's, I mean, for the, at the very least, it's the ankle support. There's a lot of lateral movement. Mm-hmm. So you want to make sure you're supported. Otherwise you roll over your ankle okay. and then you're, you're out of commission, out of commission right. for a while in all aspects. But I think that's the, the most important part. Um, other than that, at this point with the very expensive shoes, it's more of a confidence thing. What, walk me through what you look for in a, in a shoe for your sports, for your athletic. Uh, specifically for me, I have terrible feet. Oh, you do? I do. Oh. There's no arch and, uh, they're very wide. So you're flat footed, flat footed and wide. I'm flat footed too. Oh yeah. Oh, it's the worst. It is the worst. It is the worst. Yeah. And so I find it difficult to wear things that don't have support in it. Mm-hmm. Much as I'd like to wear deck shoes because I think they look cool. Yeah. If I wear them for like an hour, it hurts. I'm, I'm, it hurts. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I'm almost uh, more comfortable with uh, barefoot in a lot of ways, sure. um, but which you can't do for basketball. Right. But for just in shoes in general, as long as they're wide enough, I'm okay is essentially all I'm looking okay, for. Because so you're looking for a, a shoe that fits you in width. In width. Right. Yeah. So that you're not cramped in your shoe. Exactly. Right? Yeah, it's very difficult though. It's you'd be surprised at how many, um, how that doesn't exist. Almost an anomaly in many ways. It's too bad you can't get bespoke shoes that are affordable. You know how you can yeah. get like you can go somewhere. They'll measure you for a suit, and you can get an expensive, fairly inexpensive suit, or a shirt, or something like that. Yeah, I wish they could do that with shoes where you're like that wouldn't cost a fortune. Where you're like, I just want a runner. I just want an athletic shoe. Mm-hmm. You know. I, I don't think that exists at all. It just That's sounds something like we should start up. That might be bespoke something shoes, to think about. Bespoke runners, That's bespoke. Right. Uh, yeah. What do they call them? Um, oh, there's a bespoke kicks, I guess. We yeah. could call it. Oh, that bespoke could be our kicks. company. And we just put take an impression of your foot and then DKs. Yeah. <laughs> and there you go. Um, what about laces? Do you? Laces. I hate doing up laces. I hate it. It's <laughs> it's like one of the banes so especially with dress shoes yes yeah oh man it's the worst it is yeah i hate it i really do i wish i had shoes like basketball shoes with no laces because i think half the time i'm running down the court i'm tying my shoelaces um it's one of the reasons i can't get into hockey oh with so so many many laces laces. plus i'm flat-footed i find Mm. if i ever skate it kills my feet when's the last time you skated I don't know. I don't know either. I know that I think of it. I just hate it. I yeah. I just I like everything about it except for when my foot hits the ice. Oh, I like amazing. you know hot chocolate. I like being out in the in the cold in the weather. Cold, yeah. I like the you know, wind in your face. I yeah. Like, like you know it's just great. having fun with friends on the ice. And yeah. then the second then, my foot hits, it just it just. See you later. Have you ever stood or laid on a bed of nails or those? Um, oh yeah. Those, yeah. I've done that for my feet, and it's been pretty awesome. Yeah. 
Where can you do that? You can I mean, get mats, like kind of like yoga mats right. that have, I have one. If I find it, I'll let you try oh, it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, these weird little yoga mats that have plastic spikes mm-hmm. and you can lay on it or you can stand on it and, uh, you try. find standing helps. Yeah. It helps right. sort yeah. of like stimulate mm-hmm. the, I mean, for a lot of people, they, the foot is where all your health problems stem from. Right. Reflexology yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. They, Every toe represents a different organ or part of the body and stuff. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's I wonder what it means too. if you're flat-footed. Um, it means maybe all your aspects are stimulated. Uh, maybe. Because it's all touching the ground. Didn't they call cops flat-foots in, like... In, like, Britain? I thought it was... Some a, I, I, always think, I always think New York. Uh, uh, maybe it is... Maybe it is flat-foots. Uh, yeah. That's interesting. Do they? I'm oh, maybe, not sure. I'm pro- I might have that wrong. This is one of those aspects where... I say something that I think is right, and then yeah. Nini and then, looks up, uh, looks it up, and says, "No, you were way off. They, yeah. they were called broadfoots or something yes. like that." Yeah, I, I will believe anything you say, though. Fair so enough. I will take it. Fair enough. So, as we close this episode, if you could play one sport that you don't already play, mm-hmm. and be really exceptional in it, what would it be? Oh, I mean, and it can be anything. Very exceptional. I would, I mean, I grew up in the States and football was king. Um, That's something I always wanted, even though right now I'm not into it as much because it's a problematic sport in many different aspects. But uh, it would have been football. Football. It would have been... And what would what what position would you have played? Quarterback. Quarterback. Okay. I can see you being a quarterback. I was second string quarterback. Uh, for a while in Canadian in the C, in, in the CFL in the C, no oh, that's in, amazing <laughs> in high school okay in high school in Canada um, but I couldn't see over my linemen oh is what it was so it, it was a bit of a heartbreaker um, and I just wasn't good enough to be able to maneuver through them so there but, you uh, go. yeah see I would love to do have you ever seen sumo wrestling I have. It's pretty awesome. Like, you yeah. know, it's something I mean, that... not live or anything, but... On television or whatnot. Yes. It's really, um, you know, it's ceremonial. Mm-hmm. It has this really sort of weird elegance to it. I don't want to say yeah. weird, but it has an elegance to it that a lot of people don't necessarily realize yeah. or appreciate because it's such an easy sport to make fun of or joke exactly. about. But yeah. when you actually watch it... It's quite beautiful. It's quite beautiful and aggressive and, mm. uh, you know... You're kind of on the edge of your seat, and it's over rather quickly. Oh, that's what I don't like about sports on television. Why I rarely will watch it, because I feel like it's too long of a time investment. I think you're right. Yeah, I much Lots. I much yeah. prefer to play baseball mm-hmm. than to watch it on television. Oh my goodness, to watch baseball on television sometimes is a commitment. That's four hours of your day. That's extreme, I believe. Daryl, I want to thank you so much. Before we go, tell me your favorite football team, baseball team, and basketball team. Well, when you live in the States, it's, okay. a, it's a very, you, it's, it's very territorial. Um, if you so don't was, want to say it, you don't have to. I, was I, feel in, like I feel like I've put you on the spot. No, there. there's okay. no spot. I, I was in Jersey, so it was the New York Jets. Okay. We didn't like the Giants because they Who felt does? like the bullies, right? right? Fair. Um, it was the Mets. Right. Um, and uh, a favorite uh, basketball team, I would say right now, 
would be uh, the Chicago Bulls. Wow. Right now. It used to be the, the Houston Rockets. Not a Canadian team in the mix. Not a Canadian team in the mix. Hockey? Hockey, I would not know. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Well, Daryl, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you for having me. As always, the Insomnia Project is produced by Drumcast Productions, and this episode was recorded in not Jersey, not Nigeria, not the Philippines, but in fact, Toronto, Canada. Till next time. <laughs>